I'm excited about this new series that we're starting called You Belong. It's funny because the scriptures this week, as I was meditating on scriptures, the scripture that really came to mind the most was the scripture we just used for simplify your life. You know, Matthew 11, 18 through 20. Jesus said, come unto me, all ye who are weak and heavy and burdened, and I will give you rest. Isn't it amazing that all these lessons that the Holy Spirit is giving us are, are really, uh, as Kevin prayed and prophesied tonight, they're, they're learning, they're weaving themselves together in an incredible tapestry in our life. And it's amazing how we're, we're talking about simplicity and simplifying your life, and yet the same scripture can totally apply to you belong. What better invitation is there from the Son of God to say, come unto me, come to me, you belong. This, this slogan isn't new. Obviously, there's books written about it. There's songs written about it. Uh, the, actually, the first time I ever read this phrase was from the Celtic way of evangelism. They believed that in their communities, they wanted to make you feel like you belonged first. And then somewhere along the way, the Holy Spirit would work on you. And then you would believe and then you would change your behavior or God would change your behavior. And you could imagine in today's culture, at least the way I've been taught, we have this thing so upside down. We want you to behave first, you know, clean up your act. You can't be a lesbian or a homosexual and come to church. You have to confess that sin, then we'll let you in. You know, you can't be a prostitute. You can't be a, a homeless person. You have to get your act together and then we'll invite you to church and then you can be part of the club. Now, whether or not we mean that, that's the message that the church mostly portrays. We want you to start changing your behavior first, and then we'll welcome you into our church. I remember that's, I mean, that's, that's the feeling I got. Cut your hair, change the way you dress, you know, don't wear so much makeup. And, well, not for me, but you know, don't, don't, you know, don't wear so much makeup. Uh, and, and then you're allowed in, because if you never change that, you were always an outcast. You were never really accepted into the body, at least in the churches that, that I uh, had experienced. That's not how the gospel works, guys. It's not at all what Jesus meant when he said, come unto me, just as you are. This ain't working. <laughs> so many times in the scripture, Jesus said, come unto me. He'd be in the middle of a ministry session and these kids would be all around him. That's why I love kids. I love the banter. I love the noise of children in our service. Some of the people are like, man, it's so irritating. Please get him out of here. No, that's exactly what the, that's what the disciples said to Jesus. Hey, 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 don't bother him right now. He's in the middle of a great message. And he stops and he's like, hey, what are you talking about? It's perfect. Come to me. Let the children come to me. Because unless you have that fearlessness like they do to interrupt a service, you're never going to enter the kingdom of God. What a better message to say that you belong in your chatter and your crying and your mess, you belong. Man, for so many years, I mean, we've, we've been around for about three years now, and we've been saying that we want to be a family, that we want the messes, that we want the broken, that we want the wounded, that we want the, the burdened and the emotionally distressed, and all these different things that we say we want. And I'm just telling you, I feel like God's building this incredible foundation for us to actually see that prayer answered. With people with hearts of compassion and people with hearts of understanding, and I love the fact that we can be diverse in our thought because in that diversity, we grow. And I love the fact that we don't all have to agree. Thanks, man. Uh, we don't all have to agree. Is that for me? 
Oh, yeah. I love when people send me announcements. This is in my wife's handwriting, so let me just stop right here. I've been, I've been interrupted on a Trader Joe's receipt. Can you read that? Brock and Alyssa, April 22nd. They're coming to Keystone Church. They're going to be speaking April 22nd. We're also having a baptismal service April 22nd. Come on! I mean, oh, 23rd. Is that a Saturday? So it's wrong on the everything I've just printed up. Yeah. Okay. I don't belong. <laughs> yeah. Look at this, man. I mean, all these things, these sort of pictures that depict belonging, wanting a place. I want to be a part of something. I want to be, a, I want to be in a club. Even if it's not in the body of Christ, people are looking for a place. <coughs> oh, excuse me. I belong here. I want to know that I'm part of something. People are naturally tended and created to want to be a part of something. You know, if they don't come to church, they're going to go to their, to their pub where everybody knows their name. They're going to be part of a pool club, a dart club, a bowling club. A, I mean, I don't know, whatever, you know, motorcycle club, bike club. They're going to be part of something. People want to be a part of something. They we're created that way, not to live alone, but to be in community. And people want to know that they belong and that they matter. Our whole life we've been taught this, and I just mentioned this a little bit, that first of all, you have to behave and then you believe somewhere in the middle, and then you can belong. So come in and change your behavior, and hopefully by changing your behavior, you can control the way that you believe, and then if you control the way you believe, then, you know, eventually you'll belong, or we'll let you belong. It's, Jesus flips this on its, on its head by saying to us, no, I want you to first know that you belong, that you're welcome, and I want you to come with your garbage. I want you to come with your addictions. I want you to come with your sin. I, do you think I don't know about it? Do you think that I don't understand? Do you think that I want you to try and clean yourself up? Judah Smith said, you can't. It's impossible for you to try and clean your sin up. The powers of hell are too great for you in yourself. That's why as a community of believers, the message we have to continually say over and over and over is, I don't care where you've been. I don't care how hurt you've been. We had a slogan a couple years ago. I don't think it really was going to work at the time, but it was basically, we don't care. <laughs> Keystone Church, we don't care. What it meant was, we don't care what your past has been. We don't care, you know, how, how um, uh, uh, sinful you think you are. We don't care what, where your life has been and the decisions you've made. We don't care, but we do care about where you're going and what God has in store for you. And we want you to know that you belong. You belong way before you believe. You belong way before you believe. I mean, we have so many walking wounded in this city. So many people who my heart just cries out for. You know, they've been cast aside. Uh, they've been cast off. They've been just, just, just written off because they might have had, you know, a problem in their ministry. Or they, maybe they were a leader in a business and they, maybe they screwed up. And, and uh, who knows what the issue was. And people automatically cast them out. And they're like, they're so frustrated. They don't know what to do. They don't know where to go. 
I'm so often reminded of the cave of Adullam where David just received people just like that. And in a matter of a few years, these men and women became mighty and did incredible things for the kingdom. Don't discard a homeless person. You do not know what got them there and you don't know where God's taking them. Don't discard the LGBT community. We don't know what God is doing in that community. Don't discard the Muslims. We don't know what God is working and in and through and how he's going to see a revival. I mean, I believe with, with the glory of a prince is in the number of his people. And I'm telling you, there's going to be a revival in the Muslim nation. It's already happening. People are starting to get epiphanies of Jesus. And he's showing up and like, whoa, who are you? I'm the real God. I think I'll worship you. You just showed up. Muhammad's never done that. Okay, I'm in. Don't discard those who are broken and smell. I remember reading Fresh Wind, Fresh Fire by Jim Cimbala years ago. And, and of course, he's in New York City and the homeless are just so many. And the need is so great. And he was getting discouraged one Sunday morning. I think it was his third service. And if you've ever done multiple services, you know how exhausting that can be. His third service. And he sat down on the stairs of his uh, altar. And in walks a homeless man. You know, he's like, oh my God. I just want to go home. I want to eat the roast. My wife's cooking in the crock pot all day. You know, I just don't, I, I don't know if I have the energy, God, for one more need today. And as this homeless man approached him, he knew, you know, he began to reach in his pocket for money and he was just going to give him money and tell him to go on his way. And the Holy Spirit convicted him and said, don't give him money. Give him a hug. And so Jim Cimbala stops and he, he grabs this man and he hugs him and he said he smelled so much like the street and so much like urine and so much like alcohol that he almost couldn't breathe. It was taking his breath away. The, the scent was so strong. And I remember reading this story and I just was bawling. I'm like, God, I want to matter like that. I want to, I want to be a people. I want to be a part of a people that matter like that. And then the Holy Spirit spoke to him and he said, Jim, I died for that smell. And that smell to me is beautiful. Guys, we got to let people know that they really belong. It's not a fancy slogan. It's not some mantra that we're going to start saying, oh, hey, you belong t-shirts and hats, and oh, we're going to change our signs. Oh, you belong. It's, it's, that's not what it's about. It's more about the character of our, of, our, of our walk. It's more about the character of what we really do with our lives. It's more about the character and the personality and the person of Jesus inside of us that says you be the answer to that prayer. You put your hands and feet to that. You do it. You love your neighbor as yourself. And then we'll let the Holy Spirit work on our behavior. This is so free. This is going to set us free tonight. When you and I welcome people into our homes, when you and I welcome people into our church, and you and I welcome, and they may not think like you, and they may not have a background like you, and they may be weird. You know, they may not like what you do. They, might, they may not understand you at all. But you continually welcome people. It's a gift of hospitality. Your home's always open. You want people in. You want to celebrate them. You want to encourage them. You want to feed them. When you're doing that, keep in mind, you don't know what God has in store for that person. You just don't know. 
And they might be dressed inappropriately and they might smell inappropriately and they might talk inappropriately and they, they don't know how to act and they don't know how to Christianese, you know, all the stuff that we do. Well, God bless you, brother. And they're like, well, why don't you just go to hell? I'm like, oh, okay, yeah. You know, I mean, that, that's just how they're bred and taught and talk. And if you and I can just simply say, oh, I know exactly where you are or they're mean to you and they're short to you and you want justice, eh. You know, your life's not your own. Let God, this is going to set us free. Let God work on their behavior. You don't have to do that. Our job is to say, you're welcome here. You belong here. Don't be afraid here. There's peace here. There's joy here. There's real love here. And you belong here. You belong in this family. You belong and we should be ashamed to say that. You belong because we really do care for people. And I want you to know that I care for you. And you care for me. And you have a home here. I mean, can you imagine someone that has been so kicked in the teeth to hear those words? And they might be cynical at first. I would be. I was. But to hear that, you truly belong here. Really? But you don't know where I've been. It doesn't matter. But you don't know the kind of ministry I led. It doesn't matter. But you don't know the kind of addictions I have. It doesn't matter. You don't know that I looked at porn. I hit my wife. I hate my kids. It doesn't matter. You belong. And I want to invite us just to set yourself free. I'm going to bring all my garbage with me to Jesus. And say, here I am. My dump truck is full of flesh and sin and addiction and bad attitudes and jealousy and anger and strife and bitterness and backbiting and conniving and, and all this stuff. I'm putting it in my dump truck and I'm going to drive it right up to Jesus and say, here you go. That's what I'm talking about. Can you and I live in a body, in a family like that? Can we say, no, bring your dump truck. I mean, almost second nature. You know, it's, it's just like, yeah, what are you talking about? That's so weird that you would think we wouldn't want that. We do. We want that. Once we get there, I think that Jesus is like, now you're getting it. Come unto me, everybody who has dump truck fulls of addictions. Come unto me, everybody who's filled with fear and anger. Come unto me, everybody who's seeking their own way. Come unto me, and I'll show you the real way to live. Belong, believe, let God work on the behavior. This is such a great verse. Romans 5.8. I couldn't think of another verse outside of Matthew chapter 11 that would demonstrate God's acceptance of you right where you are. Romans 5.8. But God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. That still means today. While I'm still yet sinning, Christ said, I love you so much. I'm going to die for you, even though you don't even know me yet. Even though you're not aware of my goodness. You're not aware of my mercy. You're not aware of my, my tenderness and my, my ability to transform your life and give you the best life you've ever had. You're not even aware of it yet. And in spite of that, I am going to still give my life for you. He demonstrated his Love. If there's a key word in all of this series that we're going to talk about is the un, 
unending love of Jesus. The love that can cross divides and cross barriers and cross cultures and cross sexual orientation and cross addictions. Love. Love. We beat so many people up of how we want them to act and perform and fill a void and fill a space. And, well, you know, where were you? You weren't at your post and blah, 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 blah. Love. Can you just love people? An unending, unconditional love. I'm going to love you and your smell and all your jump tuck right where you are. That's how he demonstrated it. Another way he demonstrated it was the way he picked his 12. This is pretty fascinating. I did a study this week on the on the 12 men that Jesus decided he was going to turn the gospel over to and uh, propagate this into the, the world. First guy was Andrew. Obviously, he was just a fisherman. Then there's Bartholomew or Nathaniel. This guy was a descendant of a king. How many knew that? Son of Tamil. There's a king in the Old Testament. And that's his, like, I don't know, descendant. So we have a fisherman. And then we got this kid who's descendant from royalty. You already see the clash here that's happening? Of course, you've got James the Elder. He was a fisherman. James the Lesser was a tax collector, brother of Matthew and Jude. John was a fisherman, but his dad had wealth because the Bible says he had servants. And for anybody in this culture to have servants, you had to have a little, you know, ching-ching. I read this about John. Everybody thinks John was this tender, young, you know, real tender-hearted guy. This guy was filled with anger. He was, uh, Josephus wrote that he would just go down. Remember, it was, James, it was uh, John and James, the sons of thunder, right? Hey, call fire down on this community. They don't believe in you. I mean, this is tender-hearted John, you know, oh, the guy that Jesus loved. He was a jerk. He was a little punk. He was filled with anger. He was filled with, with this uh, desire. Hey, who's going to be the best? Who's going to sit by you, Jesus? Where's my throne going to be? Dude, you need to grow up. I mean, this is who Jesus had. So we got John. We got Judas Iscariot, obviously. We know his story. Um, he was a Jewish nationalist. I didn't know that. Uh, it was another, it was a, it was a, a, court of a secret society of the zealots. So you had the zealots who were out killing Roman garrisons. He had the nationalists who were supporting the zealots. So Judas was really good with money. And obviously he was the treasurer, as we know, in Jesus' band. Um, Jude, uh, Thaddeus, was an intense and violent zealot. So he was on the other, other side of this. Matthew, you know, is a publican or a tax collector. Peter, fisherman, big mouth. Philip was a fisherman. Simon the zealot. He was a zealot and an, and an ardent Jewish nationalist. It's fascinating. These are the people that God, God's son says, Hey, I want you. I want you to come hang out with me. I want to use you guys and this is how we're going to change the world. He didn't say, you know, why don't you leave your zealot party first and start voting Republican, and then you can part be a part of my, my team. You know, because anybody who really supports Hillary or Bernie Sanders, they can't be part of my team. I just can't have that. You know, why don't you go ahead and change your party line? Why don't you go ahead and change, or Republican to Democrat, whatever, it doesn't matter. But most of the church, and that's why I went that route. Um, what, why don't you change your party line? Why don't you go ahead and leave all that? And, and uh, No, he just said, follow me. We'll work all that other stuff out later. Just follow me. I want you to know zealot and murderer and tax collector and cheater and swindler that you belong with me. God, that's good. 
Do you know what this ought to destroy in our lives? It ought to destroy every attempt you have to try and clean your life up on your own. I'm telling you, nothing will be greater than an army of people who can simply be honest with Jesus and say, here I am. And I'm a liar, I'm a thief, I'm a manipulator, I'm a jerk to my family, I'm a, por- a porn addict, I'm an alcohol addict, I'm a secret weed smoking loser. You want me? Here I am. Jesus is like, you're exactly who I've been looking for. I'm telling you, the gospel is for those. The gospel is biased from the ground up, not from the top down. Finally, Thomas Didymus, he was a pessimist. I I couldn't find out what he did for a living, but he was the Downing Thomas guy. So there you go. Great band. Great. Hey, these are your guys. Can you? Okay. Track with me just a minute. So we're going to plant a church, right? And, uh, you know, you're always taught, you know, you got to get leaders around you, good, strong leaders, because, you know, leaders lead, and you got to have people that, you know, wounded people wound people. I mean, all these cool, cool phrases, you know. I promise you these people wounded people. I promise you they did. What if we, you know, Matt, we're just like, hey, we're going to start this new missions organization. Or, you know, hey, man, me and you are going to go and we're going to plant a church. And, you know, who would you want? We probably have a list in our head or somebody we think we would like. You know, I want, oh, that'd be a great worship leader. And, you know, that would do this. And we'll just get this guy to do this. And, uh, oh, yeah, we got our team all assembled. You know what you've automatically done? You've already drawn a line in the sand that says, these people belong, and until you could act like them, you really won't ever have an opportunity. I'm going to share about Mike a little bit. So Michael was going to be mentored, mentored by this other guy that was going to join Keystone. And there are no hard feelings. He's a great guy. He's a dear friend. But the Lord told him to go somewhere else. And we're like, okay, cool. So here we are in Colorado Springs. Plans changed. We don't have a worship leader. We don't have a worship leader mentor for Michael. I could have said, why don't you just have a seat and, you know, we'll wait and just see what God does. And and I'm like, nah, just throw him in. Totally unqualified. Freaking out. Out of his depth. And I can tell you one of the things that everybody on the worship team would say is we have an amazing team. And I'm glad I just could have let that happen. Just see what happens. There's so many pessimists that come in. You know, why, why you got Michael leading worship? It doesn't really, does he know what he's doing? No, he has no clue. And I love it. It's perfect. You know why? Because that's who Jesus would use. Some unqualified mechanic. Jacked up, figuring his life out. Just, what am I doing? Where's my mentor? How did I get to this position? Perfect. I'm telling you guys, look for those people. So Matt, the next time we do something, we're going to look for the weirdos. I mean, the, the losers. And, and see, what can God do with an honest group of people? that are just raw and unpolished and religion's the furthest thing from them and they, don't, they have no preconceived notions. They're just like, hey, I love Jesus and I, I'm not sure how to do this. 
But let's, here we go. Now, look, I'm not discounting the fact that we're going to have strong leaders and they're going to be developed. And, you know, we don't want, my, I don't want Michael to stay where he was the first day in the living room. He, obviously, he's not, right? He's grown. He's leading, whether he knows it or not. He's mentoring people. He's passed the baton uh, to Haley. And Haley's now leading and growing and learning. This, this, the whole, this is a big thing. You know, this is not easy. Trust me, I, drew, I did it for six months. And all I wanted to do was sing like Van Halen and do scissor kicks. <laughs> and I think I might have. <laughs> you know, there's a good thing about those younger years. There's no video of that. No YouTube. You know, there was no internet. So no, nobody's face, you know, check this weirdo out, you know, filming me across the stage doing scissor kicks. Thank God. This is a great verse. Romans 1, 6. And you also among those Gentiles who are called to belong to Jesus Christ. You know, I just took this as a universal call, Carl. I used to think it was just for believers. And isn't it weird when you're a believer and you read the Bible through the lens of just a believer and you think it only applies to you. Oh, that's just for me. And then all of a sudden it dawned on me. No, this is for not even believers at all. This is for Gentiles. This basically could read, all you unbelievers are invited to be a part of Jesus Christ. Look at all you Gentiles, all you unbelievers, all you messed up, jacked up, broken people, you are called to belong. Come on, that is good news. Say, I'm called to belong. I'm called to belong. I'm not called to be on the outside. I'm not called to be lonely. I'm not called to be full of fear. I'm not called to be... I'm called to belong. That's good news. That's good news. Here's some benefits of belonging. Number one is local church can provide accountability to your life. If you just have coffee with somebody, hey, how are you doing? Are you okay? I haven't seen you. Are you all right? We, we poo-poo the local church a little bit, but Teresa always reminds me there's power in belonging to a local body of Christ. And if you've wandered out there, you know what I'm talking about. If you've looked for a church where you could feel like you belong, you know what I'm talking about. You know, if you've just like, man, I just can't fit. I'm lost. I'm, I'm, I feel so ex exposed. You know what I'm talking about. There's power in this family. The more time we spend together, the more our hearts are knit together, the more we pray together, the more our, our, our spirits are giving witness to one another. Good accountability. Number two, they can help you on your journey. You know, leaders would always say, good businessmen would always say, find somebody who's a little bit further ahead of you on your journey and just follow them. They'll help you on their journey. It's not a judgment issue. It's a, it's a help. I'm a little bit further than some of you. Some of you are a little bit further than me. You've experienced things I can't, I have not walked through. And I learned from you and you learned from me. And this is the beautiful thing about being part of a local church. Don't discount this. You know, in our free culture and, and our, you know, independent, screw you, I'm going to go have church in the mountains. Hey, look, I get that. I get connecting with God out there. But who do you call when you're hurting? Yeah, you can call Jesus, no doubt. Number one call should be to Jesus. Who can you have coffee with? You know, who's the physical flesh and blood of Jesus? You can raise your hand. It's you and me. Romans said, if I'm so filled with him, how can I think of myself? 
If I'm supposed to be completely controlled by him, how can I ever think of anything else but him? Number three, they can provide you with an objective point of view. Someone that's outside the box a little bit. This is a lot of what we do in sports marketing. People that think their sport is so awesome, and yet sometimes it takes a person outside of the woods to say, yeah, you're sort of jacked up in this area. And I have a different perspective. I have a, an objective perspective. Because I'm not necessarily involved in your everyday details of your sport, but I can help you if you'll let me, because I have a good point of view here. Number four, they can help you see the blind spots in your life. Man, I tell you what, this is why I love our men. Our men are not afraid to call each other up, to say, look, I see this in your life. Can I help? Can I pray? Are you okay? And sometimes you receive it, sometimes you don't. Come on, man, am I telling the truth? Mm-hmm. They aren't afraid to ask you the tough questions, sort of the same thing. They can open doors of opportunity. Man, I have found this so many times that in a church body, you know, businesses are growing and, and uh, um, relationships grow and, and people glean and learn and grow from one another. And finally, man, they laugh, cry, and live life with you. What? <laughs> I, you, you probably just stop with that one, right, Aaron? And just go, yeah, I just need someone to live life with me, laugh, cry, and all that other stuff will follow. Can you just live life with me? Can you let me know that I matter? Can you let me know that I truly belong here? Is that resonating with you guys? Is this helping tonight? Do I really belong? Well, well let us show you. Talk is cheap. Let us show you. Here's another great verse, Galatians 3.29. If you belong to Christ, then you're Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. In other words, everything promised to Abraham is promised to you because you belong. You should, read the, you should read the promises given to Abraham. Generations, like the stars and the sands of the sea. Wealth, you'll lend to nations. You will not borrow. You'll be the head, not the tail. You'll be blessed going in and going out. You'll multiply. You'll be fruitful. You're, when your hand is put to something, I will bless it. Because you belong to me. Peter said this, Jesus, we've given up everything. You know, good old Peter. We've given up houses and kids and families and careers to follow you. What about us? Jesus said this, Peter, <clears throat> moron, you are going to get 100 times back in this life and the one to come. Oh, that, okay, that's cool. <laughs> 100 times back. So what are we worried about? Why, why are we worried? Why do we fret? Why are we filled with fear? If you belong to Jesus, He will take care of you. If you belong to Jesus, He'll give you Abraham's inheritance. I mean, I didn't make that up. You're Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. Uh, there's an Old Testament verse in Isaiah that says, there's a name given to you better than sons and daughters. You know what that name is? Heir. Isn't that good? Because in the pecking order, only the eldest got all the inheritance. And then all the other younger sons would have to bow to the oldest. Remember the whole story of Joseph? Right, 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 right. I'm never bowing to you, punk. You're bowing to me. There's a name given to you and I better than sons and daughters, and that name is heir. In other words, it doesn't matter where you are. It doesn't matter where, how long you've been a believer. It doesn't matter if you've been a, a believer your entire life or you're just getting started. 
You're an heir. And you know what an heir is? An heir is a collective individual who gets everything that someone else was promised. Look, do you remember the story that, hey, you worked for three hours, here's a grand. You worked for ten hours, here's a grand. Oh, how come she gets a grand and he gets a grand? Because you're an heir. It doesn't matter. Well, you've only been a believer for 30 seconds and you get to go to heaven. You lived your life like hell and, 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 and you came into the kingdom on your deathbed. Yep, I get to inherit everything. Sorry, I'm an heir. I don't encourage that, but you know, sometimes it happens. I mean, you just live a better life in Jesus, right? Check this out. At the end of the day, it really is our choice. Some decide not to belong However, that doesn't mean that we stop inviting them to belong to the greatest family. And you guys know the reality of this, don't you? And you belong. You belong. No, I, re- yeah, I don't believe you. Okay, I can't convince you. You've got to come experience this. Yeah, I'm not going to come. Or they come and they just don't click. And they just don't feel like this is part of their family. Or they feel like it's just not, does, it doesn't work. That's going to happen. It already has happened. It happens probably more often than not. That's okay. It doesn't mean we stop inviting them. It doesn't mean you stop loving them. I'll tell you what, this is the weirdest thing. I am friends, close friends, with people who don't go to church here. But they're always asking for coffee, and they're always asking to get together, and they're always asking to have a meal or inviting us over to their home, and I just find that weird. But maybe, just maybe, that's exactly how it's supposed to be. That we're not just part of Keystone. We're part of a larger family. And that family is a family of God. And we're the body of Christ. And so you know what? It doesn't really matter if you come here or not. We'll help. It doesn't matter if you're in our zip code, for Christ's sake. We'll help. And that's the craziest thing. You know, there's ministries that won't help people because they're not in their zip code. Have you ever heard of anything like that in your life? I haven't. I've never heard of that. I reached out to three churches. And I'm not saying their names, but three large, predominant churches where, these, where this couple, this uh, father and daughter lived. And their answer was, ah, they're not in our zip code. We can't help them. I'm like, holy crap. Are you serious? Aren't we supposed to? Is this what we're here for? So if, if I have, I stop here, but <laughs> I'd really love to cross the street, but I can't because... You're dying over there, and it's not in my zip code. Sorry. Isn't that the Good Samaritan story? Right? It's like, oh, you know what? I'd love to help, but I've got to go on to a church meeting. I'd love to help, but I've got to get to an elders meeting. Ah, Samaritan. Hey, this, this is my world, man. This is my, this is my, uh, my whole zip, this, uh, zip code. What are you talking about? That's a man-made entity. It has nothing to do with the kingdom of God. Blew my mind. <clears throat> Mark 10, 21. Jesus looked at this. This is about the story of the rich young ruler. This is such a great... Go, go read this sometime this week. Remind yourself of this story. Jesus looked at him and loved him. Oh, man, do you feel the heart of God here? And he said, one thing you lack. He said, go sell everything you have and give to the poor, and then you'll have treasure in heaven. Then come follow me. And we, we know the phrase, follow me. We talked a lot about that. What that means in Jewish culture means I'll take care of you. Don't rely on your riches. Come follow me and I'll take care of you. And of course, you know the story. The rich young ruler walked away very distressed. He couldn't follow Jesus because he had so much wealth. The story that captured me this week was Jesus looked at him and loved him. I don't know 
Did Jesus push the magic staple buttons right there and say, I know how this is all going to turn out. I know you're going to turn your back on me. I know you're not going to follow me. I don't think it really mattered to Jesus. Because he had Judas Iscariot on his squad. And he loved this kid. Have you ever looked at somebody and said, I don't know what it is about you, but I love you. And you're so jacked up. And I, I could invite you to come and be a part of the same. And I know you never will. But I love you. I mean, that is the love I'm talking about. Let's wrap it up with this. What if I said that we're just going to love people and they're going to spit at you and slap you and steal from you and rob from you. And you know what you're, you're called to do? Not seek justice. Keep loving. Keep inviting in. Keep welcoming. You will, I promise you, you will be taken advantage of. I don't know where this whole philosophy came in. Well, I just will not be treated like a doormat. You're supposed to be a doormat. You're supposed to be the person that someone could come and cross into the room. You're inviting them. What do most doormats say? Welcome. I guess you won't be walked on. Right? Well, well, you're missing it. You're missing the root of the gospel. The gospel is, I want you to be walked on. I, I want people to feel welcome through you. I want them to come to the party through you. I want them to take advantage of you. Who do you think you're serving anyway? Once we start defending ourselves, we kick Jesus off the throne and say, I got this. And I'm telling you guys, but once we understand that your life is not your own and you will lay it down for those less fortunate, those stinky, smelly, people, we might be starting to understand the gospel a little bit better. I am a welcome mat. Come on in.